Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance, and we have a very special episode today. That's because we have some of the people involved with Misplaced Adventures, which is super cool, super, super cool. So um, first, we're going to talk about what we're drinking, um, and we are going to start with me because that's how it works. I don't know why I just know that. So I am drinking uh, Flat Rock Ciders. Um, which is a cider company from up here in North Carolina. It, I'm going to say it completely wrong. It's called Mui Guapa, I think, but it's Guava Passion Fruit Fruit Hard Cider. And it's super duper yummy. And I love it. So Jessica Rainey, what are you drinking? Well, that's a funny story. Um, I'm actually drinking a Guinness right now, a pint of Guinness, because that's what I have in my refrigerator. I thought I had vodka to make a martini and look classy and sophisticated, but I can't find my vodka. I've hidden it from myself, apparently. So I have Guinness and I have an iced tea in case I run out of Guinness. I like it. Did Was that an, a maneuver from drunk you hid it from yourself? It's possible. It's possible. I went on a uh, crazy cleaning organizational spree. And it used to be on my bar cart. And I was like, I'll put it away out of the way of everything. And now I organized it so that I can't find it. So yeah. I don't have any. Vodka. I unfortunately do that way more than I'd like to. Oh, <laughs> our guest popped out. Hopefully she'll be back shortly. Ethan, what are you drinking? Well, I am, uh, I probably have an unhealthy addiction to diet sodas in this case, Coke Zero, but um, I'm going to class it up with my, this mug that I made at our local mud hut in town. So that's what I'll be drinking today. Fancy mug. I like that. And our other guest, Jesse Sprug, she'll hopefully she'll be back. We can ask her what she's drinking. It's, it's fine. It's fine. You gotta love the interwebs. It's cool. Um, okay, so both of you, um, Jessica, let's start with you. Sure. How did you get involved with misplaced adventures? Well, um, I was crossing the street one day and a bus almost hit me, but Kelly Colby, who's in charge of Cursed Dragon Ship Publishing, shoved me out of the way. And now I owe her a life debt, which means she makes me write books for her. And like that's that. where that goes. Um, or I could just say that uh, she read my stuff and we've been friends in the Houston writer writing community for a while. And she was like, hey, got this project. You might be okay with it do you want to check it out so i mean pick one of the two stories life that is life that's cool because i like the first one better yeah life that'll make her happy so yeah i like that okay Ethan, what about you well my story is similar to jess's um in that i was walking down the street one day and somebody pushed me in front of a bus (laughs) and it was jessica rainey (laughs) and that bus was cursed dragon ship publishing and uh (laughs) <laughs> I I believe Jessica wasn't totally offended at previous writings that uh, I had written and that she had read. And uh, so I get a message on Facebook Messenger one day uh, from Kelly, who I actually didn't really know at all. And she was talking about, Do you, are you interested in this? And I'm like, you know, my brain was trying to catch up. What are you talking about? Who are, you know? And so uh, I talked with her on the phone and then I sort of learned uh, what was going on. And I was really excited. Uh, it's, you know, it's interesting. I had, before I knew that, you know, shared roles were such a thing back in the old days of the internet, you know, when it was all done on typewriters. Um, but I, I did like serial stories with other authors. So it was like, it, um, and, it was, and the other authors were like, you know, my brother and my friends and stuff like that. And we, we all just like wrote our own character and there's all this fantasy stuff. So this came along and I was like, 
I love it. You know, so I didn't know much about the world at that time. And I was, but I just, you know, jumped right in. So after I recovered from the bus accident, so. Yeah. You know, you guys have got to watch the public transit situation there because it seems to be out of control. Well, let me ask this. Um, Ethan, I'm going to start with you this time. What uh, did, were you uh, published before? Like, what is your origin story? So my my origin story, that's a great question. Um, so I, like I said, you know, I I, I grew up, it, it probably comes with comic books is where it really started. I, I read comic books as a kid, all came from like Transformers. I just love the Transformers TV show. And on that TV show, they would always advertise the current comic book. And I didn't have access to comic books. But then one day, I don't know, my brother brought one home. And so I started reading comic books. And then we started making our own comic books. And eventually that got to, and I love to read. And I got to, we're like one of the only people on the block that even had like a computer. We had computers in my house before anybody had a computer. Uh, before like Microsoft, you know, and the personal PC before all that, my dad loved computers. He had that. So I would, we would type on ancient word processors, these stories. Um, and then eventually things came along, like it was ex, ex Libris. I don't know if anybody's heard of them. They're like a self-publishing thing and they had like a they had a free tier and so my brother had written and I had written these little short horror stories together and so we I was like for one day I just compiled them all and I printed it up and I sent it to him for his birthday so that was cool and then um, Amazon's create space came around and that put sort of publishing and you know into the into the hands of the common person right uh, if you know a little bit about Word and you know and you're not afraid to do art or layouts you can just you can do some pretty amazing things right um, and so I did, um, I published um, a, what I didn't know was young adult at the time, but it turns out it was a sci-fi novel uh, called What Happened on My Space Vacation. And uh, that was sort of a love letter to the sci-fi that my dad grew up with and sort of the uh, chapter cliffhangers and all that good stuff. And then it just sort of went from there. Um, I did some, you know, short, horror, short little horror stories, fantasy, sci-fi, stuff like that. So I have about four books that I've published, but that's just all by myself, my own little world. Well, that makes sense. Uh, Jessica, your origin story. Yeah, so um, I was always that kid that was at the library reading, 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 reading anything I could get. Um and my particular love was Greek mythology. Like that, I bought a like a copy of Edith Hamilton's mythology for ten cents at a yard sale, and you know would just devour anything. And it has to be um, either fantasy related; it has to be Little House on the Prairie, or it needs to have dragons in it. Um, so then I'll read any. I read anything I could. Um, but but have yeah, you I found a combination of those three. Not yet, but I'm going to. I'm going okay. to write it. Okay. Now you've given me a great idea. Um, if there were little hustle in the prairie dragons, that's pretty amazing. So I mean, I'm just throwing it. That's yep. got to be a way of life on some of these mythical worlds, right? I mean, yeah, dragons and prairies. I'm doing it. Okay, so um, <laughs> and I would write little short stories and poems as a kid. You know how you do stuff like that, and um, I wrote plays and all sorts of weird little things, like stories about people that shape-shifted because they didn't want to pay taxes. I was really, my grandma was really into Reagan. So I was like kind of against taxes when I was little, but um, I've grown out of that. Uh, I guess I'm kind of for taxes and kind of against taxes. I don't know. Anyway, I wrote about it. Um, and then 
I was told like, you'll never, you can't make a living as a writer. That's insane. You better do science or something with math in it. So I had to do science or something with math in it. Um, And then when I moved to Texas, my boss was like, you got to take a class in business at this local community college. We'll pay for it. We just want you to kind of like start getting your feet wet. And there was also a creative writing class. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. But I also want to take this creative writing class just for fun. He's like, yeah, that's cool. Whatever. So I did that. And that's what got me jumpstarted back into writing. So I started writing short stories, you know, met up with some local people, joined critique groups, Um, And then was like, you know what, I think I can put my own short story collection together. So I did that. That was like my first two books were short story collections. And then like Ethan said, you know, the world is your publishing oyster now, so to speak. And um, so if you're just not afraid to learn a few things and and make the mistakes along the way, you can you can do a lot now. And it's so much better now than when I started out, which was not that long ago, like five years ago or something. and, you know, kind of graduated to novels. And then now I'm working with Cursed Dragonship. So I'm just really, I'm lucky and excited to see the evolution. Um, but I'll probably, I mean, I still write weird short stories. Don't worry. It's still strange and well, often I, I, upsetting. I and yeah. uh, when you write your little house on the prairie, it better have a dedication to me. Cause just saying, I want to see a copy of this. It definitely will. Um I promise. I pinky uh-huh. swear. And I never have broken a pinky swear in my entire life. You didn't pinky swear with that bottle of vodka, did you? No, no. Okay. I like toe swore with that. And so okay. you, can, you don't have to respect the toe swear. No, I don't think you do either. I mean, I'm just, I wanted to be sure what level that was on. Um, Jesse has popped in. Jesse. Hi. Hi, you're back. We had a little technical difficulties. Welcome back. Um, we were just talking about uh, Little House on the Prairie with dragons, which is probably the pinnacle of this conversation where it's, no, just kidding. Um, it's more how you got involved with um, uh, this Montelly crew. Me? With that? You. You. Um, they already said how they got involved. They got invited by to be here, like people who who count. I I was Kelly asked me because I'm I've worked with her as an editor before, and I'd like to think because she likes me and I'm good. But you know, whatever. I would say so because I think editors. I mean, writers are heroes, but editors are sort of like the unsung heroes of the writing oh, world. Oh yes, because we yeah. have brilliant ideas. And they're all in here. And almost 100% of the time, we don't put them on the paper. What's in here correctly. And we need somebody to be like, um, yeah. So were you trying to say this is a ghost? Because if you were, nobody's going to get that. Thank you. And fix it. So we need editors. Editors are what keep us from not sounding like idiots. I, I feel, I personally feel editors keep us from not sounding like idiots most of the time and I think it's important for me one thing that I really truly believe about editing is you have to love the the books you're working with because otherwise you're trying to get it to move toward a vision right you try and see the author's vision and push it toward that and if you don't love the book to begin with then you're pushing it toward your vision not theirs so that's like the heart of what what I want to do when I do it is find what they're trying to say not what I want to say which is awesome. Awesome. Perfect editor answer there. Check. That was perfect editor answer. So um, this is very cool. Now, from what I understand of this adventure, and um, 
I am, it's like literally the Coke Zero version that Ethan has of this adventure right now. Um, everybody is writing a novel in this world or a series in this world. Am I correct in my understanding? Yes. Okay. So, Jessica, what is your series about? So, my series is called The Huntress and the Harvester, and it is about... Um, an immortal bounty hunter who's indebted to two of the gods in Kevin Petway's world. Um, Kohawk the Harvester, who's like death. He runs around lopping off heads and taking souls for people. Um, and Machi the Huntress, who is, um, you know, a huntress type goddess who's in charge of hunting down people that the other gods want hunted down. So my person is she is um she's caught in between the two of them so she spends her time um beheading people and taking souls with her scythe for a hand her hand turns into a blue um scythe or sickle or whatever you want to call it you know harvesty type blady thingy um and then she meets up with three dummies who mess up her plans so she's gets caught in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff and they have to sort it all out so that's the start of the of the series um and uh we'll see where it goes from there very cool i feel like i would be one of the three that she met up with <laughs> i would not be the hero of any part of that story okay ethan what about your book uh well my book my series is called the kin and um I, my, my series deals with a, uh, a very reclusive cult that uh, they worship a couple of gods that basically nobody else knows about. These are like in the world of Kevin Petway's, uh, they would be um, gods that didn't have as much power uh, because they're, they're lesser. So these gods are very, um, uh, what, what do you want to say? They, they have a, uh, a complex about how weak they are. So what they do is they in, back in the old days, they ran around stealing other gods' followers. And so they gathered all these followers into one place, deep, deep in the forest, where basically nobody's going to find them. Or if you do find them, it's unlikely you're going to survive the experience. Well, you have a choice. You could join the call, or you can, you know, have your mind wiped, and then you can wander the forest until some creature eats you, that sort of thing. So anyway, that's sort of the setting. Uh, my my story is about, I have two characters, um, sort of the... Uh, a high priestess in the cult, and then another another person who is a uh, Tyrik, my sort of ninja slash ranger character, who is very low in the cult. Um, but since they're at different levels, they they uh, they of course are infatuated with each other, but can't do anything about it. Um, anyway, so they are forced together um, to. They have to. The ultimate in my first book is their goal is to escort a couple of brats across all of the landscape. Uh, where they're going to deliver these two children for further training. It's basically like Hogwarts for the cult. So they they have to travel across land. Now, the 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 big the big thing is here is that none of these people have ever been away from home. They're in a cult and they're a hundred miles deep in the forest. So they have to experience the outside world, and then they have to see what's waiting for them at the end of their journey. So um, uh, the overall. The overall themes will be exploring uh, faith and then, you know, what it's like to be in that sort of situation um, and then uh, definitely dealing a lot with the gods in the end. So, Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, Jesse, you're about to get Ethan's book. Am I correct in that? Yes. I have not seen his yet. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. Very, very cool. Okay. So, 
when you guys are going into this, are you sending a, here's my idea for it? Yeah. So, so we had to come up with proposals and then ran them through Kevin, um, who's the, you know, the world owner. And he was like, yeah, that'll work or no, it won't work or trust this. Or so we worked with him a little bit on the concept and then we really got a lot of freedom to run with it after that. I mean, um, it's been a really cool process for me. Mine's almost done. Mine will be released in September. So um, I'm kind of through all of the editing process and all of that so far. And I was really impressed with it, with the process so far. Very cool. Yeah. yeah when I met with Kevin, uh, I, I had a basic proposal and he was like, yeah, my magic doesn't work that way. You know, I tried to, under, he had a document. He's like, here's how the magic works in the world. And so I had this plot that was all that. So what I ended up doing is actually, the solution when my original idea wasn't work was basically just remove all the magic from my story. I'm like, now my characters don't have magic and it actually unlocked the entire story. So, but it was great to work with him. He was very open um, and suggesting like how else you might do it. Um, so I, I found that that's the first time I've ever, you know, coming blind to somebody else's world. You know, usually you're like, I'm creating this world. I'm creating all this fantasy, but here you're like coming in, It'd be like writing a Star Wars novel, but not knowing anything about Star Wars. You know, you have a lot to, you have, you have quite a bit to catch up on. Not so much with Kevin's because he's, he has a lot of his world, I believe, that isn't explored. And he was, I got the impression he was looking for and very open to people exploring different aspects that he hadn't quite created. So um, it's been a fascinating experience. So I, okay. So Jesse, how many of these novels have you now edited for this? For this, I'm only working with the two of them. I originally had more people, but I also work with um, Dragon Ship Publishing separately. And I had some books come in there that I needed to do. So we moved the editing around. Uh, Tracy, I think you met with her last week. Yes. One of the other editors. And she, I think she took the other book that I was going to be doing. So what is this like editing in a, a world that's already created? Cause they're, you guys are effectively creating canon, right. For this yep. world. So what is that like as an editor with something that's as expansive as this? Because it's one thing when it's one author, they're creating their thing. Even if they go a, a many, many books in, you know, the world, cause they created it. Not a bunch of other people are writing into the world. We actually have a separate editor for that. So I'm doing developmental. I'm looking at the plot and their stories. And then once it goes past me, it goes, and they've already run the basic concept through Kevin. Once it goes past me, it goes to another editor who will say, no, this particular point here, this country isn't there. It's got to be here. You can't have them walking this distance because so that we have an editor who knows that world. And it runs through that after me. That's very... That's got to be a whole entire interesting writing process with that sort of thing. Is that, has that different for you guys, Jess and Ethan? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, I've been through um, all of the editing at this point, even the continuity editor. And um, yeah, Jesse helped me get my weird idea into some kind of a story that someone might possibly want to read. I'm sure um, they'll really want to read it. But anyway, um, Shannon Winton, who is our continuity editor, you know, she was amazing. Like that took, I, I, I thanked her in my book. And to me, it's like when you go to the Olive Garden and they're like, would you like this grated cheese? And you're like, yeah, I want this grated cheese. And it's so good. You know, you just want a lot of grated cheese. So Shannon Winton was like the grated cheese on top of my tour of Italy combo that I bought. It's an Olive Garden. Um, it just took everything and, and bumped it up a notch. Like 
if I said fish, you know, they caught a fish, you know, she was like, well, in this region, you know, a common fish they might find is called sprunt. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they caught a sprunt. You know, it's like, it's just adding that little bit of flavor that takes it to the next level. Um, So I was really, I was happy with everything. I mean, Jesse here saved my life with editing um, and Shannon just kind of like gave me the tools to put that delicious finishing touch that I really wanted on it. So it's been great. Like that's the the best thing that, you know, can happen out of editing to me is like when you come up with this stuff that they, they, like Jesse said, they kind of coax it out of you. They're like, this is what, this is this what you really meant to say? Cause you need more of this or go ahead and add this word. Cause it just bumps it up a notch. So that's, that's been my experience. Ethan. I think from my perspective, since I haven't gone through those editing phases yet, that's one of the things it's lurking in the back of my mind. You know, I'm, my guys are on this, this party is on this journey across this landscape. So I'm looking at the map that I have and I'm like, okay, well, he's got trees here, but I don't know what they look like. So, you know, uh, that's, I, I know it's going to come back at me, like my vagueness. Um, and that's what I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to it and also scared, you know, like how, how wrong am I getting it? Um, so I'm hoping it's like not too major. Cause that's like one of the last editing phases, like, you know, moving, moving uh, cities back and forth would be sort of bad or, you know, take more time, but yeah. Most of mine is the anticipation of uh, or slash dread of, you know, how that's going to go. Hopefully I didn't offend too many people. So. Oh, I don't think you offended anybody. Jesse's not offended. I have a question. So I'm going to ask all of this and then we're going to take a quick break. Have you actually read the other books in this series? So not to throw anybody under the bus, but apparently there's a very frequent bus through this situation as discussed earlier. Jesse, have you read a lot of the books in this in this world? In Ke- I've read Kevin's books. I read the first two now. I When I started it, I had only read the first half of the first one. Very cool. Ethan, what about you? I've read one and a half. So I'm on the second book. Did you find anything that as you were reading, you were like, must go change this now? Um, I haven't yet, but it was good, good uh, ammunition because my characters are, are going to go through that city. That is mainly where I was reading about. Um, so, yeah, uh, it was helpful. And I'll have to re-reference it again when I get there. Very cool. What about you, Jessica? Yep. I'm the same as Ethan. Uh, I've got the first one and half of the second one. And um we actually had a lot of really good notes given to us. So we have synopsises and I I really kind of tried purposefully to stay out of places that I knew his first series had kind of tra- traversed because I don't, I don't want to step on any toes like that. And that was kind of a lot of the thought processes of, I'm not going to speak for all the writers, but I remember when we were doing the initial meetings and talking about stuff and, and talking to Kevin, he's like, these are places I haven't explored that you might want to tackle um so you know if you pick a place where he's not been in his books you kind of have that well you can as long as you don't say like you know it's a desert in cold spine you know it's definitely not a desert in cold spine it's the tundra or whatever so you you can't get that part wrong but you have pretty much the freedom to you know play around with it um and if you get it wrong don't worry Kevin and Shannon will be like no that's wrong you're fine but it's not as bad, Ethan, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. It was actually really great. I was very happy with it. Well, what's going to be interesting to me is when all this round of novels comes out, because all this canon's then been added, when you guys go to do the next part of it, 
based on what other people have filled in. It's just going to, I think it's going to be an interesting thing as these series, because you have timelines that things are occurring and, and others have time, you know, it's just, yep. it's, it's, it's a quotinated effort to make all this kind of seamless, right? Yeah. About maybe the third book, once everybody's had two full books of new stuff to chuck in there, it might get kind of interesting. I mean, I know like from my point of perspective, um, they were looking, I, I invented towns along the river system that I was having my people visit. So I just invented a bunch of towns um, and they had to add that to the map as canon now. So now if you're um, looking for a town on you know, the beacon sea called Arlisport. I invented that one and it's right here. You know, Kevin's okayed it, but you know, that's that's the way it's worked so far. Oh, that's very cool. Okay, we have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncie, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. We're back. And since I don't have a co-host, Ethan has stepped in as my co-host to point out the fact that I forgot to ask Jesse what she was drinking. So Ethan is nominated as the co-host today. Jesse, what are you drinking in that very awesome skull mug of epicness? Incline cider. I think it's a local cider, but I wouldn't quote me on it because I don't have the box. What is the flavor? Uh, it's Marionberry. Oh, that sounds amazing. I like berry ciders the best. They're a little bit tart. Plus, my husband doesn't steal them as quickly. The sweet ones, he just takes. So I understand that. I have discovered my limitation on overly sweet ciders, unless I put like whiskey or something in them. Not going to lie, might have thrown fireball in a cider or two just to. In cider, is it good? Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah. Because it has that little like, um, punch i'm just making gestures that don't make any sense with what i'm trying to say it has a bit of a punch where like vodka kind of i feel like vodka just makes whatever you're drinking alcoholic it doesn't tend to add a lot of flavor to a beverage neither does gin really gin is more like um an again sort of a like a thing that adds to it but doesn't like oh this is the flavor where whiskey is like i'm fucking here like it comes from and, and uh anyway i'm also irish so i will put whiskey in almost literally anything that you give me i'm like we should try this it's either that or moonshine that's the other thing that i'll put in different beverages oh. don't recommend it if you like your liver however just uh, there's my official warning of the day so i um, would not take your advice on alcohol is what i'm learning i would not take my <laughs> advice no i would not i would not my friends have tried and 
One of my very good friends, she knows who she is when she listens to this, likes to, and she's, so I'm six feet tall. A lot of people can't tell that because I'm sitting down on this podcast, but I am six feet tall. So I'm not a delicate little flower of a human being. And she's like five, six and very slender. And she's like, I'm going to drink the same as Erica. And everybody's like, that is really a bad idea. Like you are not going to survive drinking the same as Erica's drinking. So. Um, especially because I, I don't know, use an excuse of a podcast to do this. Oh, let's talk about your writing and editing environments for a moment before we go into rapid fire questions. Um, so Ethan, describe your writing environment. What do you like? Uh, what do you like to do? When do you like to do it? Well, I would like to do it not at 11 p.m. start, which is usually what happens. Uh, but I have a family and all of that comes first, and then I get to write uh, usually when they're asleep. So I have a computer, I also have a laptop, um, and I have my Scrivener on uh, on both of those, so I can go where I want if it, my chair is uncomfortable or anything like that. But um, I generally listen to very heavy music or soundtracks, one of those two, uh, when I'm writing, just something that drowns out literally everything else. So I can hear if my kids are talking or anything like that. So. Um, and then it's like pushing through a brick wall every time. So awesome. With no, with no hammer, just your head. Oh yeah. No, I've been there. I know what that's like. I feel you on that one. Jess, what about you? What is your writing environment like? Um, well, sometimes I like to go out to coffee shops. There's a local one that's close here. I usually head to that on the weekends. Um, I always take my headphones and I get on YouTube and uh, pull up rain noises, like thunderstorms, because a thunderstorm and silence is like the most relaxing, like Zen noise for me. So I usually write to that. I don't write to music or anything. Um, and when I'm home, I'm usually here at my desk writing, sometimes on my couch with my laptop. I have been doing that lately because I've been a little bit ill. So I had to do it sitting down at my couch or in bed. Um but I'm always, it doesn't matter where I'm at in this house, chucking a cat off of me because there's two of them running around here that like to be involved in everything. So they have been very harsh editors on all my projects thus far, but usually a cat on my legs and my laptop on my lap and rain noise on the speakers. That sounds very relaxing. Jesse, what about your editing environment? I don't get to talk to a lot of editors, but I'm assuming you create sort of a an environment for you to sit down and concentrate on epic words. It's, I I put on music is the big thing because my son shares a wall with me and my office is in my house right next to my 11-year-old son's room. And he is very noisy. So it's mostly trying to cut out his noise because the mom kicks in, like mom is higher level brain than editor. And so mom will kick right in and I have to block that. As long as I can't hear him, I can usually sink into whatever story and do the work I need to do. That makes sense. See, it's so funny because as a parent, there's a certain level age where it's like, if they stop making noise, you're like, what the hell is happening? You know, like you want them to be making, as long as they're making noise, you know what the hell they're doing. The moment they stop, you're like, why are they stopped? And then there's a point you're like, okay, I need just, I would like them to stop. That's so funny. Okay, so we're going to go into some rapid fire questions. Are we prepared? Yes. No. I studied I, everything for this. 
but yes. it's everything. Interesting. I like it. I like it. Okay. So my first question is who would play the lead character in both of your books? And Jesse, for the ones that you've edited, especially because you edited part of Jessica's, I want to hear if her choice is matches your choice of who you'd put as the lead character in the book. I mean, in the movie, Jessica, who would it be? Um, it's gotta be Kate Blanchett for the only reason is I want to meet her. So I would assume I get to meet her if she plays in the movie. I'm not sure she's the right choice, but that's who I want. I see by Jesse's look, that was not who she cast in that particular role. It's not, but I couldn't tell you who I would cast because I don't picture her as being Hollywood pretty. So I would have to find someone who could carry the role, but had a harder look. I like someone it. with a good smirk. Yes. Oh, you gotta you gotta love people who have a good smirk. Uh, Tilda Swinton has a good smirk. She has a good smirk when she's not destroying worlds because that's the other thing she does. What about you, Ethan? Um, I just need somebody with a you know smart aleck attitude. So like somebody like Ryan Reynolds is the first person that's come into mind. Um, he's probably the stereotypical choice, but he's always coming to mind at the moment. So. He does a He's very bankable, good thing. right? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, he would be so inexpensive to do this movie to like. <laughs> <laughs> and you haven't read Ethan's yet, right, Jesse? So, but now I'm in a picture of Ryan Reynolds the whole time. Uh-oh. That has just made this manuscript gold right there. <laughs> I like it. Okay. What about your favorite fantasy book? Um, I'm going to start with you, Jesse. What is your favorite fantasy book? Um, anything by Tanith Lee. Cool, cool. I like it. Ethan? Um, I love The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yes, yes. Quintessential, quintessential book. Um, what about you, Jess? It's The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Okay. Yes. Which leads me, see, now I get to ask this. What did you guys, what did you think of The Hobbit movies? Movies, there, all of them that were created. I have many feelings about it, but what are your feelings about it? I love um, all of them. So I'm a big fan of the Ralph Bakshi, the the cartoon version from the the late 70s, I think, early 80s. It's kind of trippy. Um, that's probably what ignited my love of it. Plus we had to read the Hobbit in like seventh grade or something. And I was really, I really got into it. I love the books. I think Peter Jackson understands a lot about that world and what, um, makes what he can cut, what he can add that makes it like a very cohesive story. Cause I don't think that Tolkien was necessarily interested in all of the cohesiveness of everything. Um, And there are just certain things about it that I love and certain things that I dislike. Um, But I really love Bilbo and the riddles in the dark was amazing to watch when I saw it on screen. I was really excited about it. So I loved it for that. I think there's a lot of things that could be better about it, but like, I think that about everything. So, and just for pure enjoyment level, it's one of those things I'll put on the Lord of the Rings extended versions, the director's cuts that are like 9 million hours long. And all of the Hobbit movies for background noise and do stuff. So I I love them. Um, you get a lot I'm of with, things done in that time. I'm, not I'm with yeah. Jessica on this. I, I, I get to watch. See, it's great. I have kids. So I get to watch things with my kids. And that community experience, we love them all. So 
regardless of their the, inaccuracies. What about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? That's what I was going to ask you. Did you love those movies? Um, yeah, I think we have them all. I thought they were pretty good. It's been a while since I've seen them, but I thought they were pretty, pretty, you know, pretty strong. Um, Prince Caspian probably, I don't know. The, the first one definitely was pretty spot on as far as overall, you know, could argue on the other ones, but I, I, I liked it. Yeah. My I'm pretty argument, easy to please, honestly. I. <laughs> one of my arguments with those is I think now if you're going to take on something like that, you have to figure out how to be greenlit to do them back to back to back to back. If you yep. have a bunch of time entered in, especially anything yep. where you have little people are yep. the cast, it it's it's similar to the Percy Jackson. I know they cast him a lot older and they're redoing it and whatever. I didn't dislike those movies, but they made him older. So by the time they would have done the third movie, he was in his 20s or something like that. Like it just like you have to must go faster when you're looking at it. I mean, I think they regardless of stuff with J.K. Rowling's right now, I think they did a good job with Harry Potter, keeping that cast and keeping them consistent and doing them pretty back to back so that they aged appropriately in those movies and didn't create a problem where like if they wanted to continue the, you know, the um, Chronicles of Narnia, they're going to have to start from scratch because all of those characters are way too, those humans are way too old to play their characters now. <laughs> so, okay. Next question. Next question. If you could be any fantastical character or mythological character, what would you be and why? Ethan, you're going first. Oh my goodness. Put me on the spot. Um, That's my goal here. Drinking I'm just going to say the first thing that comes, you, you can't pick like one of the Greek gods because they're all, but whatever. I'll pick Hercules because he's super strong. I don't know. Uh, maybe I should be the Kraken. I, I think the Kraken got a bum rap. I mean, if you look at the Kraken there, or in, even in the Pirates of the Caribbean, it's pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I like I'll it. over the Kraken. I mean, he may die, but, you know, he takes, he does a fair amount of damage before it goes down. So, does he ever really die, die, though? Like, it's a giant squid. I think he's just mortally wow. wounded and then he recovers. That's how I look at it. Yeah. Um, he's probably down there. He, what about you? What mythological or fantastical creature are you? Me, Jesse? Mm-hmm. Difficult having two Jessies. <laughs> I'm going to call her Jess or Jessica, and you, Jesse, makes this easier. Um, You know, I don't really have an answer. I was even thinking about while, while he was answering, but I think part of why I write is I'm playing God, and I don't want to be in the worlds. I I would be out doing things in the world if that's what I wanted. I So it would be whatever, like some God form, because I want to play. I want to play with all the little dolls. Okay, so it's Loki. Got it. <laughs> Moving on. Just nailed that one completely. Okay. Um, uh, Jessica, what about you? <laughs> okay, so is it I have to be a creature or I can be like a fantastical character, a person? What? What? I, we are off the rails in this conversation okay. now, so you're fine. What do you want to be? Then it's without a question. It is Xena the Warrior Princess. There is no doubt in my mind. I have always wanted to be Xena the Warrior Princess. I wanted to be Xena the Warrior Princess before I knew there was a Xena the Warrior Princess. She has many skills. You have a costume? No, I don't. 
I wouldn't fit into one. They don't make enough leather, I don't think, but someday. They, first of all, never say that. They always have enough leather and you should own it. I love that. Or you make it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I did I that could. with Zev from Lex. I made a Zev costume. Oh. <laughs> Can you make that? She's got that. Um, is it a frizz? That's no, not a frisbee. What is it? Or it's a cir- it's, cir- it's her it's a chakram. circular blade. Yeah, right? it's a yeah. chakram. Yep. We could at least oh. make that. I have one of those. Um, okay, I've yeah. I've stopped myself many times from buying the set replicas, but I have one. I've made one myself. I've also bought like you know cheap ones. So yeah, I have one already. In many swords, people though is the main question I have. What's that? Do you throw them at people? Uh, I would only throw them at people. <laughs> okay, I like that. I like that. I will accept that. Okay, if you could have lunch with any author, alive or dead, they'd be alive while you were having lunch and not a zombie, so it wouldn't be that weird. Um, who would it be and why? Jessica. Um, I am going to say I would like to have lunch with um, Dostoevsky because I would be like, I'm sorry, dude, but I did not like your book. I didn't like it. I didn't like the Brothers Karamazov. I was forced to read it. And I wish that you would have not written that or at least somebody wouldn't have made me read it. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't really say that. I was going to say you'd spend your lunch to tell somebody you disliked their book. I mean, actually... <laughs> Erica, a lot of people who know me think I really would do that. <laughs> I believe no. it. I believe. Um, I, I mad props if that's what I actually. Um, I, I would like to. I'd like to have lunch with um, with Charlene Harris. I've met her a few times. She wrote the Sookie Stackhouse books. She's a wonderful human being, a great person, um, and I would just like to have lunch with her and tell her how much she has inspired me to keep writing and every time I've met her she's been so gracious and kind to me and I I will never forget that so I, I like that answer what about you Jesse who would you like to have lunch with you get to follow that up now well I it would have to be Tanith Lee if I okay. can have someone dead because she was she's been my favorite author since I started reading which is weird because she's a weird person to be reading in kindergarten, but whatever. I was a strange child, but it would have to be her. Awesome. Very cool. Okay. Ethan, look, you had all the time in the world yeah. on this one, all the time. Um, I would, well, outside of all my, my friend authors through Chris Dragonship, which I haven't got to meet in person yet, I would go with Robert Jordan. Um, his wheel of time series is, you know, I don't know. It, it's pretty influential in, in me learning how you might get in over your head with a lot of story, but somehow he pulls it all off with, you know, so anyway, it would just be him. Fascinating for somebody to create a world that detailed and tell a story in it. Okay. Now this is, this is probably the most important question I'm going to ask you. Okay. So be prepared. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? So Ethan, you're on the spot. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? I know you're not prepared for this, so cookie cookie dough. Okay, I like it. I like it. Jessica, coffee. Oh, very cool. What about you, Jesse? Fish food. Oh yes, that's oh, yeah. a good one. It took me a little bit the first time I heard about that to not think it was legitimately fish food, and I was like, why would anybody want to eat an ice cream? Flavored like flake food for fishes. Okay. 
That's a yes. talking road without the gross nuts. Yeah, that's true. I wish they'd make fudge like that, which isn't Rocky Road. It's really just chocolate marshmallow fudge, but uh, they just don't do that. And it makes me very sad regularly. Um, okay, all of us have sort of like a writing Achilles heel, something that we do. Sometimes that changes from book to book. But what do you do that your editor goes, what are you doing? Like, Mine for the longest time was I used the word realize too much. Everybody realized everything. There was a lot of realizations in the book. Really, it was like an epiphany book because everybody was realizing everything all the time. And so now I do control fine before I send manuscripts in. Um, Ethan, what is it that you do that your editor, Jesse, take notes, that your editor usually comes back and goes, um, stop doing this? I, I noticed it myself is uh, I have people looking all the time so and so looked at him and i realized that you don't need to do that all the time you don't need to actually tell people tell the reader where your um, person is pointing their head there's other ways to get by that so that's my pet peeve of my own so we'll see how it goes how many of them got through jesse what about you I am horrible with consistency, my editor would tell you. I will spell a character's name like eight different ways. And every time she gets my manuscript, she's like, Jesse, did you check this? And I'm like, yes, yes, I did. I checked it like eight times to make sure I was being consistent and she will still find something and be like, you spelled this town name eight different ways. And why is this an apostrophe S here and an I? She hates me. I don't, I don't think that I just I will have to say this as a publisher that we started having to have our authors turn in a character places list with all of their books because we literally found in one novel that the name was spelled seven ways one way and 68 ways another way. So it wasn't like there was a couple misspellings and we can go, OK, we can fix this. It was literally like what is the spelling of this particular name? Because you spelled it two ways very consistently. And what was funny, it wasn't like they flipped halfway through the book and were spelling it the new way. It was just sporadically. There's my clueless word of the day. Very sporadically through the book. It was yeah. So now we're like, new rule, you have to write one so that when we run across it, we can fix the spelling on whatever it is that you're writing. Yep. And I feel like it's, for me, it's always the same thing as I haven't made up my mind when I start writing. And then I change my mind consistently as I keep writing. And then I think I've fixed it. And then, but I only catch the ones I've changed my mind the most recently on <laughs> and forget about all the others. So when I'm editing your work, just remember that I get the same thing from other people. <laughs> that, that's going to be fun. Okay, Jessica, what about you? Um... So we can I ask think, your editor. So yeah, please. she'll she'll definitely she'll be like, yeah, that's not it. Um, it was this. So I found with my first two drafts, um, that I was just missing things. Like I, I tend to be on the non-verbose side when it comes to writing. Like I just it's very straightforward and it, um minimalist, I think is the right word for it, the kind word for it. So I think I was missing. Um, some of the deeper dives that really add that punch to a story. And by the end of it, Jesse had me really going in and trying to find those places. And it's still not perfect. It's still definitely my style of like less is more. Um, but I learned a lot. Like I took for granted people would know this about my character or what was in my head. And you just can't do that. So you have to 
maybe explain things a little bit more than you think you should explain them. If you over explain it, your editor will tell you like, dude, you already explained that. It's cool. I don't need this part. So it's better to explain it than not. And they, you can cut it later. Um, also, probably I am really bad with commas. That's okay. I think most writers generally either overuse them or underuse them. Jesse, would you agree with me? Like there's usually not a writers that really have nailed the comma situation down to science. And when you find them, you keep them. <laughs> <laughs> it's treasured the one ring. Okay. So this is um, my very last question. So of course it's going to be literally the most important thing I could ever ask. Just kidding. That's not accurate at all. Um, when it came to writing, what surprised you the most when you were first published? Like what one thing were you 1000% not prepared for when your book actually came out? Jessica. Um, when I had someone email me about it, that I had no idea who the person was. So I'd sold him a book at um, a comic con or something. And he actually emailed me about it afterward and asked me questions. And I was like, you, you read it? Really? Wow. So that was, it was a great feeling. Um, but it was very surprising. Did he ask you things that you had no idea what he was talking about? No, he didn't. Um, he was super cool. And he just asked me to keep writing and make sure to email him when I had new books coming out. So that was really awesome. Very cool. That is very cool. I just find they'll ask me questions and it's always the shit I don't remember putting in the book. And then I have to go control find, fake it in front of them, but then go control find it and go, did I, oh, I did say that. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> now I remember it. Fine. Exposition, interior, coffee shop, no relevance whatsoever to anything going on past this point, but they want to talk about the coffee shop. And I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Thanks for asking me about that. Um, Ethan, what about you? I think for me, it was the, um, you sort of think, oh yeah, I did my first book and the, it's just going to sell like, you know, people are just going to buy this, right? They're just going to want magically want to buy this. And uh, that's, that's a fantasy that I created in my own mind that, you know, there's other components in there that, uh, you know, I did, I was under illusions. I mostly did it for myself and I'm like, Hey, yeah, people might want to read this. Well, there's also, you know, thousands of other books that came out that month that, they also, you know, <laughs> yours is competing. So I think it was that. And that was just, you know, that wasn't a big lesson for me. It was just like, okay, yeah, I thought it would sell a little bit more, stuff like that. Very cool. Jesse, what about you? Um, I don't quite know how to answer that question about editing or writing or editing. I didn't realize you were a writer. And we're going to talk about that in your shameless self promotion section in a moment here. So, um, I I didn't realize how dark the stuff I wrote was until I started getting people responding to it. And I was like, oh, wait, I guess I did have her eat a child. <laughs> What's I that book, Justin? feel like we are true <laughs> crime symbiotic spirits. I feel that already in my mind because I write really dark stuff too. And I'm like, man, people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, that's yeah, cool. It's cool. It's fine. A long pig is a word for humans when cannibals eat them. You're welcome. Everybody should learn things. <laughs> so, by the way, that's a true fact. Everybody can write that down. 
it seems so normal to me until I started publishing and people responded. And I was like, I guess I need warnings on this stuff. Oh yeah, no, the advent of the trigger warning, I think is very helpful to authors <laughs> around the world. Um, okay, it is shameless self-promotion time. So let's start, Ethan, with you. Where do people find you in your books? Well, I have a website. It's ethanacooper.com. Um, and so I have links to all my books there. Um, and then I guess at some point it'll be up on Curse Dragonship sometime uh, next year. Um, so they can find me there. I'm also on Twitter at Coilspark. Um, and I'm on Facebook, although that would just be a URL. So you may not want that. But uh, yeah, my website has links to everything. So ethanacooper.com. Perfect. Jessica, how do people find you? Yeah, so um, I'm at Denny's a lot. You can find me there frequently at Denny's. Um, but if you can't get to the Denny's that I'm at, uh, you can find me on the interwebs. So I have a website. It's pretty crazy. It's jessicarainey.com. So um, there's no I in Rainey, but you know Jessica R-A-N-E-Y. Also, I'm on the social medias, mostly Instagram and Facebook. Um, I don't hang out much on Twitter because uh, I like art as well. So I like a lot of art stuff. I like Instagram for that. And um, yeah, my book will be out September 19th. The cover reveal is in a couple of weeks. The title is A Seed Once Sown. It's my first misplaced adventures book. And um, we'll do the cover reveal on uh, July 30th. And I'm excited to show everybody that. And then the book will be out September 19th. Very cool. Jesse, what about you? Um, my website is jessiesprague.com. I do ghostwriting and developmental editing, and my books are all listed on there and on Amazon as well. Uh, Curse Dragonships keeps me pretty busy, but I always take on fun projects, so. Very, very cool. Well, I loved having every single one of you humans on the show. I always think you're human right now. That's up for debate a little bit, but you at least appear human in the Zoom, so I appreciate you guys being here today with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really loved it. It was so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes. Okay. This has been a Misplaced Adventures um, Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave reviews, comments, and we will see you next time.